Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Starting it tonight called a heart, uh, I'm sorry, heart of the matter, the heart of the matter. Now, let me just warn you here. Any church kids in the room who've been in church way too long, this is not a series about guarding your heart the entire four weeks we're going to be doing it. I pinky promise. We're going to talk more about than guarding just, uh, than just guarding your heart. But tonight, we will actually kind of be talking about guarding your heart a little bit. Uh, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write down the title of this evening's message. It is simply this, a heart worth guarding. A heart worth guarding. And while you write that out for all you note takers, if you have your phone, I don't care if you type it, just don't be on Instagram. And if you are, get a picture of me, post it. Um, I need a new profile pic. The last one I have is when I'm like 18, so I'm like a little bit thinner and a little bit less cool, I guess. I don't know. I need a new picture. But um, this series really all kind of circles around this verse in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. We're going to sit there for a little bit and talk about Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Uh, before we do, let me just pray, get things right. I promise this might be the second to last time I pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this amazing group of people. God, we believe that there are world changers in the room. We believe that there are fathers, there are mothers, there are leaders, there are doctors, there are creative people, Isaiah. Uh, there are worship leaders, there are pastors, there are evangelists, there are friends, there are covenants in this room that are so important to you. So God, help us today to step closer to you, step closer to the calling you have in all of our lives. And God, I pray that you help me because I need you. I'm weak. I'm not great at preaching. Lord, you need to step up and step in and fill in the gaps because I need you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, put it up, NLT version, the New Living Translation. It says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Now that's, that's lofty. That's a big deal, guys. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, church kid here, I was born and raised in church, like born on a Saturday. No, I'm kidding. I wasn't. I was literally born on a Sunday in the church, like in the pew, like, oh, it, it happened. It didn't happen. It's gross. Um, but I've heard like a thousand and seven messages about guarding your heart. Like I'll be sitting here. It's so indoctrinated in my mind. I literally can't get away from it. Like I'll be watching TV and it's like white noise. You know, those old TVs where it's just like the crackling. I'm like, guard your heart, Matt, guard your heart. Like I why are you guarding your heart? It's just like nothing on TV. I'll be sitting there eating a bowl of cereal. It's like cocoa pebbles or honey bunches of oats. And I hear Pastor Brandon in my ear say, guard your heart, Matt. I just, I can't get away from it, right? But here's the thing that I've noticed about this verse and this, this idea of guarding your heart. It's preached more than it's lived. Um, and it's a lot easier to say, I want to guard my heart than to actually guard your heart. And there's this huge disconnect. For years, I'm talking, I was 12 years old when Brandon preached his first message, guard your heart, Matt. And I'm over here like, okay, like I'm on my Game Boy. Like, okay, I'm going to guard it. No more Mario. Like, I don't even know. But it never worked. I have spent years not guarding my heart well. And then one day, it was like, I think I was like 19 years old, sitting in Starbucks, because that's where God meets people. And the Lord just whispered to me this little phrase. He said, Matt, you know the reason why you don't guard your heart? And I'm like, why, Lord? <laughs> why? White chocolate mocha. Why? And he's like, you don't guard what you don't value first. Oh, yeah, you don't care about your heart at all. Oh, 
And so tonight, we're not going to necessarily talk about guarding your heart. I want to talk about the value of your heart. Do you value your heart? That's the first question we're going to get into this real quick. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Open up to 1 Corinthians 14. We're just going to go ahead and unpack a handful of scriptures. We're going to skip a stone across the Bible, hit maybe two, three different chapters, talk about the value of your heart, talk about practicals and how we can begin to guard our hearts. And by the end of it, I hope you're encouraged. Uh, I know I will be because this is kind of fun for me. So I just hope you come along the ride with me. Um, So if you will, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And while you're opening up, Put it up on the screen for me here, Brad. I'm going to give you some context because this is going to talk about that word prophecy again. And it sounds deep, but it's really just hearing God's voice for people. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is writing to the people in the church of Corinth. That's in somewhere in the European, Asian area. Nowhere like Fort Mill. It's not in Fort Mill. It's down the road. Um, And he's trying to explain to them, hey, there's these awesome things where the Holy Spirit gives you gifts to do stuff. One of them is to love people really well through the prophetic, hearing God's voice for people, right? And he's like, hey, that's a, that's a gift that's kind of hard to navigate sometimes. And so in chapter 14, Paul's kind of giving him some tips. This is how it kind of works. When you do it at church, this is how it's going to play out. And he says it like this in verse four, uh, 24. But if all prophesy, right? If somebody walks in the room, here we go. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in the room, somebody kicks that door down and it's like, hey, is this Taco Bell? No, this is a church. Uninformed, right? He, he is convinced by all and he is convicted by all. Next verse. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he worshiped God and reported that God is truly among you. Keep that up on the screen there for me, Brad. So this is so cool. I'm just excited. Secrets of his heart, right? What do we think that is? Is it sin? Anybody think it's sin? Raise your hand now. Okay, we've got one sin. Going once, going twice. Soul, Caleb, sin. Okay, two, three, four. Great, sin. Uh, It's not sin. Because it says the secrets of his heart. Newsflash, sin isn't like a secret. Everybody has that. It's not, it's not that. In the original Greek language, because I'm so studious, it literally means the destiny of a person. Somebody who doesn't know God walks in the room. Everybody's hearing from God. They see him and say, hey, you know what? You kind of look like a creative person. And, you, and they start calling the gold out of this guy, start seeing him, who, how Jesus sees him. And he falls and says, God must be here. It's crazy, right? This is a little interesting tidbit because somebody who's not following God can have a calling on their life. Now, hold on to that, okay? Hold on to that. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Luke 6, 45, and it says this. For out of the abundance of your heart, somebody say heart. Look to your neighbor and say it in a little bit more creamy way, like heart. Creamy. I don't know if creamy is the word. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what's, what's happening here? Your heart has, let's say, 100% storage, right? You got 100%. One, two, three, four, 100. Your mouth pulls from the 51% that's in there. Whatever has the majority in your heart, your mouth usually talks like. So if it's cussing, you best believe you will be cussing. If it's anxiety, anxiety fills up 51% of my heart. Oh, why do I always say I'm anxious? Well, it's because you have majority in your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So anybody ever say, what's in your heart? Well, I already know because you talk. (laughs) Whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth. 
We get that? Are we tracking? I'm going to tie this all together in a neat little bow, and you're going to be like, dang, man, that's pretty cool. All right, so what I tell you to remember, everybody has a calling. Everybody has a purpose. Unbeliever, believer, Jesus, everybody on the planet has a calling on their life. But according to Luke 6, verse 45, part B, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks, there's a potential for you to have a call of God on your life, but to suppress it by not guarding your heart. What if God said, I'm just going to pick a random title because everybody knows pastor, right? What if everybody keeps saying, hey, I feel like you're called to be a pastor. Hey, I feel like you're being called to be a pastor, but your entire life is surrounded in being this, X, Y, Z, and you just start crushing down the call of God on your life. So what's in the majority, right? Sports. Not that I love sports, basketball, Kobe. Hey, I love sports. That's not bad. But is it the majority of your heart? Your heart's valuable because that's where your calling is kept in your life. When we don't put a value on our hearts, we'll, we'll just let our calling slip away. I've seen people who hundreds of, I'm literally hundreds of people come up to this guy and say, hey, I know you're called. You've got a calling. You're amazing. You're going to do great things. And he's over here like unable to articulate it, confused about life. Not because he doesn't have a call, but because his heart's not guarded and it's mucked up. The waters are muddy in his heart, so he doesn't know where he's going in life. Your heart's valuable. If you're taking notes, point number one is, if I have it in my notes here, your heart, uh, my heart is worth guarding because it's where my calling is kept. It's where your calling is kept while you're writing that down. My friend Eben, Pastor Eben, anybody know Pastor Eben? He said it. He's something that just jacked me up a couple of years ago. It, it literally was like, oh, okay, you're anointed. I need to step back. That's cool. He was talking about his car, and now I have my car, my Toyota RAV4 2017, 31 miles to the gallon. I love that thing. It's like an old person car. It's like, oh, you're, it's so cool. Like, I can seat five comfortably. Like, oh, <laughs> I love my car. But you know what's cool about my car is that it's only as valuable as what someone will pay for it. So I may have bought it. I, this is not what I paid for it. I may have bought it for 20 grand, but when I bring it to the market and nobody's willing to pay 20 grand for it, what's it worth? Mm. Not 20 grand, that's for sure. Heartbreak, tear break. I put it up for 15 grand. Nobody buys it for 15 grand. I put it up for 10 grand. Nobody buys it for 10 grand. I finally put it up for five and some kid who's like, this is my first car from high school. He comes and buys it. And then it's like, okay, my car's worth 5,000 even though I paid 20 for it. Why? Because your heart, not car, your heart is worth what someone will pay for it. Jesus's life was the payment. The one who we are singing, you're worthy of it all, says you're worth it. You're worth it. Your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend may not say you're worth it. Your parents may not say you're worth it. Jesus says you're worth it. That's, that's a tough one to hold on to. That, he, you're worth it to him. Man, that's good. You guys aren't ready for it. Proverbs 4. I'm like, I'm encouraged for myself over here. It's like stoic faces. Like I'm looking at like the stone hinges. Like I'm just like, I'm so encouraged, guys. Uh, open up to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. But we're going to do a different translation just to see what we get here. This is New King James. That's what I like to use in this big old beefy Bible here. It's, the, it's God's translation. Um, it says it like this. The first translation said, guard your heart above all else for everything you do flows from it. This one says, Keep your heart with all diligence. You know what's interesting about guarding your heart? It's about keeping stuff out. Keeping your heart 
means you, you, one, it means continuation. You continue to upkeep your heart, your heart like a car, change the oil, change the tires, get things fixed up, tuned up. You got a sweet Jeep. That's just a reality. He keeps that Jeep going, right? He keeps it going. Your heart, you got to maintain it. It's not a one and done thing. I guarded my heart during that movie that I shouldn't have gone and seen. Now I'm done. No, you got to keep going, right? It's not over. It's a continual process. But you know what's interesting about keep? It implies that you don't just keep stuff out, but you got to keep stuff in. You got to put the oil in, in the car. It's not just keeping stuff out. You don't keep those grimy hands and those grimy McDonald's fries out of your car. You, you keep the good stuff in too. You got to put gas. You got to put oil in the car. Some windshield wiper fluid. You got to do that, right? Whatever. Garrett's talking smack on the front row. He doesn't know. I'm going to call him out later. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's such an encouraging word to me. Now, here's the kicker. If you're going to maintain your heart, because that's what we got to do, right? Um, in cars, they have maintenance lights. Ding! Oh, my tires are flat. Like, okay, it's time to check that. Ding! Oh, I haven't changed my oil. It's been like 30,000 miles. Your car's about to be totaled. It's not going to happen. Like, Keisha, shout out. She did that once. Oh, there we go. It's, it's, it's a common thing, guys. Change your oil. If you didn't learn anything, change your oil in your car. This is the sign. But do you have a maintenance light for your heart? When your heart goes funky and it doesn't operate the way that it should operate, how are you going to know? Do we, do we intentionally set up situations, not, not restraints, but parameters that help us keep our heart healthy? Practically speaking, here's a good one. Uh, you're going to hate it because Pastor Brandon says it every week. Um, it's um, read your Bible. <laughs> it's kind of obvious, but this is called the word of life, not just because it's living, but it gives you life. I mean, that's why you read it. It benefits you. What good is a maintenance light that's off seven or six out of the seven days of the week? Doesn't really warn you about anything if you only flip on the car once a week. You got you to daily get into the word. I mean, that's, that's encouraging. Good word, Matt. Good community. Emphasis on good. Ditch that really lame friend that really discourages you. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, it's supposed to be. <laughs> there are people who are point suckers. Let me say it like this. Every day you wake up, 10 points to give. 10 points. You meet that first person at like 8 a.m. You meet them at Starbucks and they just dish about their whole life and you're down to two points by nine o'clock. You're exhausted, right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you hang out with that one friend and you're just like, I'm gonna just die. Like, this is horrible. They just word vomited on me their whole afternoon and I haven't even had my coffee yet and my bagel is not toasted, but they did put the cream cheese. It's like, oh, like your whole life's over, right? Because there's point suckers. People are tough sometimes. And part of guarding your heart is selecting the community you live in. You can reach out to people. I don't have to spend 20 hours of my week with person A because they're difficult. I can choose to spend 20 hours of my week with person B because they build my life up. I still visit person A because they need Jesus, but I come over here and hang out with person B more because they're filling my tank up. Great example. Um, we have a connect group. I'm a young adult, though I may be very old and look wise, probably neither. Um, we have a connect group, and one of the things that just discourages me, I was telling Christine about this, 
everybody, like when people pray for you, they're like, oh God, just bless them. Thank you for this person's character, their heart, their integrity. And they just list off the things that they describe you as, as their prayer. But it's like, you're not praying, you're just describing me. We just thank Matt for his eyebrows and his tall features and his someday six pack that's coming in. It's just, God, we just thank you for that. And it's like, you didn't pray for me, you just described me. Like, it, like, that's what it is. And I found out in my connect group, everybody's like, Lord, we just thank you for Brother Matt, for the wisdom he brings into the room and his insight. Because I just talk about the Bible a lot. I'm kind of annoying like that. And so they only describe me as the Bible guy. But it kind of broke my heart because I don't want to be known as the Bible guy. I want to be known as the guy who loves people well. And I was just wrestling with that. And then Christina comes up and is like, hey, you don't think you're loving people by doing that? like by bringing the insight, by being prophetic and hearing God's voice. And she, that's loving people. And she totally sharpened me. Good community. Shout out, Christina. But you need people in your life who are going to be that good community who are going to sharpen you when you're not really in the right spot. Good community helps you guard your heart. And this is an obvious one for maintaining your heart. Your words are an emergency light. Stubs the toe. Mother, beep, beep. Like, oh, we don't just brush that aside and say, God, oh, thank God my dad didn't hear that. He would have beat me to death. Like, you, you just don't ignore that. You say, God, what happened there? Where did that get into my heart? Lord, no, sift me and know me, Jesus, that I might follow you the rest of the days of my life. What's in my heart that made me say that? Because your words paint a picture, they do. I mean, whether you want to admit it, I mean, everyone around you can see it. Like Isaiah's words paint a picture of a creative leader. Everybody can see it. It's not hard for people to tell. But equally, when your heart's really not healthy, it paints a picture because your words tell it. So pay attention to your words. Point number two, create maintenance lights for your heart. This is a no-brainer, guys. It's a no-brainer. And just a side fact, a little, just a note, um, people who have a healthy heart are super attractive, I mean, I'm just saying, if you ever met somebody whose heart is healthy, they're just like confident, they're secure, they're not anxious about other people's thoughts toward them because they just know who Jesus thinks they are. If you're looking to date somebody, look for somebody who has a really healthy heart. Obviously, you want them to look good and you want, yeah, you're cute, oh yeah. Mm. Like you want to be a part of that. Hey, it's real. You don't just date to date. You want the person to be cute. We're digressing. I don't even know how I went there. <laughs> Healthy hearts are attractive. In friendship, in dating, someday you'll get married. <laughs> Healthy hearts are attractive. All right. There's this phrase in the Christian community, maybe you've heard it. You have a hard heart. May I heard that? You just got, man, you just got a hard heart. You're like Pharaoh. And then that phone ring, you got a hard heart. No, I'm kidding, man. You're good. You're good. You just got a hard heart. What the heck does that even mean, right? Like, what a hard heart. Like, I got cardiac or like, hard heart. Like, what, what does that even mean? That's inappropriate, guys. I'm so sorry. Kimberly's face just told me that was inappropriate. Thank God Brandon's not here. Um, so when you're working with a hard heart, right? Let's, let's imagine like a ball of clay. Some of you may have been here for this message when I preached it like two years ago. It was dangerous. But think about like a, a hard heart, like a finished clay pot, right? A little dish. When you try to make an edit on that, what do you have to do? You have to scrape the outside of it. Why? Because it's already baked together. It's hard. So all of the correction is surface level. 
Somebody's getting it. Let me say it again. When it's a hard heart, like a hard clay pot, the only editing you can do is really surface level because you can just scratch the edge. You can't get to the deeper parts of the heart because why? It's hard. Ooh, and then, and then if you really got to go deep, like you got to go deep because there's a deep issue you got to address, what does it do? It breaks the pot. My life is falling apart. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Oof. And, and, and this is why we guard our heart because we want it to stay soft. You know, it's funny. People who are like, I, I just got to read it because I'm going to butcher it. I wrote it down really well. So in real life, this looks like people who just push people away. Hard heart. I don't want your input. I don't want your thoughts. I don't want your friendship. Don't tell me I'm being bad. Just push them away. You're insensitive. No, you're insensitive. You're mean. No, you're mean. Oh, jerk. Right? And they only experience like the correction when their life falls apart. But a sad but interesting thing about people with a hard heart, catch this, is that they push people away out of this twisted view of self-defense. Like, I don't want you around me because you're just, you're going to invade my space and you're going to affect my life negatively. That's what they think, right? But the reality is you're just pushing away a measure of self-defense. You're pushing away people who fill in the gap of your life and keep you safe. Like, I don't push away my parents. This could speak to some people in the room. I, I don't push my parents away because I need their input in my life because when they input into my life, I'm a healthier person. And if I push them away, I leave a door open for the enemy to come and jack me up. Like, and, and friends can do that. Leaders can do that. I would say you need people maybe ahead of you in life, but also running mates right next to you to do that. You need somebody who can expose the area of your heart, not because they're a mean, exposing, like, ha, 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 sinner. Like, you don't do that. You do it because you love them enough to get uncomfortable. Can I tell you a really uncomfortable story? Like, brutally, like, oh, I hated this thing so much. So this is going to be very candid. I won't say names here for this person's sake. None of you really know them, but we have a podcast. Um, I had this dream, and I felt like one of my friends was struggling with homosexuality. Oh, this got real awkward real quick. It's not weird, guys. Don't worry. And so it's actually kind of weird. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm a good friend. I have to talk to him about it. Like, I do. It's going to be so awkward. Like, how do you walk up to somebody like, hey, are you? Like, and so that's what I did. I, I was like, hey, can you, you want to hang out? And he's like, sure. And so we, we go, we hang out. And I literally, I'm just like, hey, man, like, I love you so much, bro. He's like, yeah, thanks. And I'm like, uh, I, I really care about you a ton, and I'm going to ask you a really uncomfortable question, but just know it's out of the intentions of my heart because I care about you so much. It's like, okay. And I'm, I'm like, hey, is there any chance that maybe just a little bit you're struggling with homosexuality? He's like, no. Okay. <laughs> Great. But you know what? I'm so glad I did it because I was a friend that wouldn't allow my other friend to fall down that path. Oh, hey, are you struggling with pornography person? Do we ever ask that? Are you struggling with anxiety, depression, suicide? Do we ask the hard questions that we wish somebody would ask us? We need community like that. Part of guarding your heart is having people in your life that are going to keep you soft, keep your heart soft to be moldable, shapeable. What, is, what does a soft heart look like? It's, it's saying that I don't know everything and that's okay. I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to feel like I'm perfect and that's okay. Humility is the way forward. Humility, just saying, I don't have my whole life together and I need your help. That's okay. 
That's what being clay is. And here's the interesting point. Point number three, I'll write it, put it in. Be clay in the potter's hands. That's cliche, I like it. But what's interesting about this, and and I pray this into my life a lot. I say, God, help me so much because I need it. Lord, I just need your help. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a little anxious, I'm a little nervous. Come and pull me in closer than I feel. I just want to be clay in your hands. But that last part of the prayer is important. Clay in your hands. Don't have a soft heart and then give your heart to somebody else. Only give that thing to Jesus. You only get one of those. I should say that again. You only get one of those things called a heart. You give it to Jesus. And then when you find that significant other that you want to marry someday, Jesus has your heart and Jesus has their heart. Hopefully, come on now, choose wisely. They have both their hearts. And so you're both growing closer to Jesus and closer to each other without giving up your heart to somebody on the front side. It's, it's a healthy way of dating when two people have their hearts given to Jesus and then they come together. It's not this torrential, like, oh, my heart. Like, it, it's good. I'm, I'm totally sidetracking here. It's okay, though. Uh, if the band wants to come up, I'm going to cut it short. I, I like shorter messages. Uh, if Kimberly wants to make me sound amazing. Just Kimberly. Sorry, Daniel. Stay down. I'm going to, no, I shouldn't say anything. I'm going to make a joke. <sighs> okay. In John chapter 15, uh, Jesus is talking and he explains this idea, this parable of a vine dresser, the guy who cuts vineyards, you know, grapes and wine and all that good jazz. And it talks about how God is the vine dresser. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches of the vine. So we're connected to Jesus and Jesus is the vine and God's trimming the branches. And there's this idea called pruning cutting back the branches. And that sounds violent, but it's not. I have a friend named Jordan. He's a farmer. He's so cool. He's like manly and big. (laughs) Has a beard more than this. He's so cool. But he was telling me, he's like, Matt, you know, it's that Starbucks where he's telling me this because that's God's place. He's like, you know, it's interesting. We think of pruning, like God cutting back areas in our life as this like grab a machete and start whacking, whacking, whacking thing. But it's, it's not that at all. Pruning is this thing where the the vine dresser, because he cares about the branches, because he cares about the branches, because he cares about the branches, gently picks up the branch in his hand. And he doesn't grab a machete, he doesn't grab a flamethrower or the lawnmower. He grabs a tiny pair of scissors and gently snips the area of his heart. Snips the branch off. When we have a soft heart, it's very similar to this. God's not going to be like, hey, you suck, you're horrible, and just shame you into a place that you don't want to be in. God doesn't shame people. He doesn't do that. He's a good father who, when he needs to adjust your heart, he comes close. He says, hey, so-and-so, I love you, and this area in your heart needs to be adjusted, and I'm going to be close to you in the whole process. You don't have to be afraid of what's to come because what we need to cut off is actually going to accelerate your growth. You're going to be more healthy. You're going to be more fruitful. You're going to be more happy. We just need to cut this, cut it off. And that's what being clay is like, being clay in the potter's hands. I don't have to be afraid to trust Jesus with my heart. He's too good for that. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't mess me up. He's not mean to me. He inspires me to greatness. He encourages me daily because I need it. All right, I'm going to end it, but I want to end it on a challenge. 
find out why your heart is valuable. Do some deep research. Read, read your Bible <laughs> to find out. Don't go Google, why is my heart valuable? Well, if you sell it on the black market, you can get this. Like, don't do that. That's weird. God knows your heart's valuable. I want you to know your heart's valuable. That's the whole point of this message. Because once you start getting it and starts making sense, your whole life changes. Like purity, right? Don't do stuff before marriage. Like that's how, ooh, purity. Well, purity is not just about behavior modification. It's about what your behaviors are doing to your heart. It's not just, I did this thing. It's that thing is affecting your heart negatively. It changes everything. When you have a heart that's guarded and you value your heart, your whole life starts changing. You start being more confident. You start seeing things for the way they are, but not the way that you thought they were, but the way God sees them. You just become a completely different person. One, the, the most obvious one, joy. There's joy when you guard your heart. Why? Because all the junk's not in there anymore. There's this shift, you know, the, the 51%, the majority has shifted. Your heart starts to, oh man, this is why I'm made to be alive. Like this is why I'm made to be alive. Ephesians 2.10, God created good works and then wrapped you around. This is why I'm alive to do this, to be this, to accomplish that, to, to, to see the world become what it was made to be with me in it. And so what I wanna do is I just wanna, I'm gonna say this real quickly. I have another person in my mind that I was praying about before I came in here and I wanna actually point at them and share something with them in a non-weird way. Because remember, secret sin, it's not secret sin, it's secrets of a man's heart that we wanna expose. Garrett, man, I love you so much. You're the person I wanted to talk to. Um, if you don't know Garrett, this guy is incredible. Um, you just need to, if you don't know him, just get to know him. Um, but one of the things I felt like the Lord just kept like shouting at me all week. I mean, literally all week to the point where I was like, I got to start writing this down. Like, this is important. Um, you're going to be an incredibly effective disciple maker. I, there's, is anybody else seeing it? Anybody else seeing it in the room? There's something on his life. He's just, uh, he's going to be effective at making disciples because we're not called to be believers. We're called to be disciples, disciplined followers of Jesus, dedicating our lives, going after the kingdom. He's going to be an effective disciple maker. And so what I want to do as a community is I want to just pray over Garrett. Can we do that? I know this is like super one right on Garrett's face, right? Like Garrett, I, this is awkward. I told you I'd call you out. Um, but I just feel like it's important that this is a healthy thing to do. When you hear from God and you see it in somebody's life, and it, this is my, my motto, if it's nice and you think it twice, say it. If it's nice and you think it twice, just say it. Don't hold back compliments and God's calling on some of this. So I wanna just pray over Garrett and then I'm gonna end it. It's gonna be obvious that I'm not praying for Garrett and I'm gonna pray over everybody. And we're gonna end service and we're gonna go have fun. Maybe eat Taco Bell. Sound good? Let's do it. Jesus, thank you so much for Garrett. I love this guy, Lord. And I thank you for the callings and the purposes on his life that are just on full display for all those to see, God. I pray that you would raise to the surface of his heart the, the disciple-making call you have on his life. 
God, I pray for any insecurity, any pain, any discomfort from the past to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would set Garrett apart for such a time as this to make disciples, to advance the kingdom, to see this world change for you, Lord. God, that he would not be just another person to walk the plan, but he would be a world changer, a disciple maker, a, a lover of people and a lover of you, God. So I thank you for Garrett, Jesus. I thank you for this room full of amazing uh, people. Jesus, I thank you that you care about our hearts so much more than we do. So you're trustworthy to take care of us. God, I pray that you'd heal every broken and hurting heart in this room. God, help us to begin to value our hearts like you do. You died for us on the cross because you saw value in our lives and value in our hearts. Jesus, help us to take steps closer to you. Help us to begin to guard our hearts. Allow us to begin to cultivate these, these safety lights to help us recognize when our hearts are funky and help us to be clay in your hands, Jesus. We don't wanna be clay in anybody else's hands but yours. Jesus, love us really well tonight. Love us, love us in a way that we can feel and that we can experience the, the change in our hearts. God, we love you, we thank you, we believe that our best days are ahead. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.